0: The Baltimore Ravens have shown some frustrating inconsistencies over the course of the 2023 season. All that came to a head with their Week 10 loss of the Cleveland Browns. We talk about if the Ravens are true Super Bowl contenders and what they need to fix coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, and I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, here with you as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in here, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day or free and available on all podcasting platforms that includes in video form on YouTube and audio form wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics and treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Here with me today, I'm excited for this one. Rocco DeSangro of Fox 45 is back with us to talk Ravens. Unfortunately, Rocco, it's not the best circumstances after the week 10 loss to the Browns, but you know we have to talk about it anyway because there's a lot of discourse about just who this team is, what their true identity is. We got some updates on Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley that were quite encouraging considering those injury replays we saw, but how are you feeling about this team right now? And of course, welcome back to the show.
1: Uh, Kevin, appreciate you having me, man. I mean, checking out Ravens Twitter, you'd think the season's over. Hitting the panic button, everyone's doing so. We're calling this team a Super Bowl contender, one of the best teams in the NFL last week, but now it's like the sky is falling. So, Right now, I'm still okay with where the Ravens are. It was a slip-up, might have been a bigger slip-up than most. And you don't want to ever lose a division game in the way, in the fashion they did against the Browns. But it is what it is. It's one game in the season. They're 7-3 and three still. It's week 11, and they got a big one coming up against the Bengals. So I, I still think this team is in a really good spot going forward. They're not five and five. They're not four and six. They're not one of the worst teams in the league. So they're still in the driver's seat. They still control their own destiny in the AFC North. So let's kind of celebrate that right now. But but it is, it is okay to be upset about that loss. I, I would be ticked off as well. So I don't blame Ravens flock. I don't fault the flock for being as ticked off as they are with that loss. There should be some anger there.
0: Yeah, I think, again, if you if, if we were talking before the season, And I said, you know, Rocco, they're a 7-3 football team through 10 weeks, and I know that is a fact. I think the Ravens fans would be like, all right, you know what? That's okay. There were probably some injuries, probably this or that. But I think the frustrating part for fans, at least what I've seen, is the way that they've lost these games, whether it's self-inflicted wounds with the drops, Mm -hmm. with the turnovers, with the penalties, or like this game where it just felt like the Browns out-physicaled them in the second half after, I mean, Baltimore got out to a 17-3 first quarter lead, but I think one turning point was definitely the Marlon Humphrey injury. He goes down non-contact. Rak Yassin comes in, doesn't have a very strong game, commits a big penalty on Cedric Tillman, a couple of completions there. I think, you know, you can talk about in the trenches. I think for sure that scenario Baltimore just lost, and we saw David Njoku power through Geno Stone for 10 yards, Jerome Ford in that offensive line, brotherly shoving, I guess, (laughs) through that Ravens defense. But Marlon and Ronnie Stanley, those are the big points because you lose the game, but you might lose much more in the coming days. But we got an update from John Harbaugh about those two, both day to day Marlon with the calf and Ronnie Stanley with the knee. I mean, to me, that's where I'm to start because looking at those injury replays, it could have been a lot worse for them. I think this is probably one of the best case scenarios.
1: Oh, it definitely is. And the fact, John Harbaugh, I know he likes to keep everything kind of close to his chest when it comes to the injuries, not showing his cards, especially when you have a short turnaround and you got the Bengals coming to town. You don't want to give anything away strategy wise. And he hes a very strategic guy, but to even say that both of these guys have a chance of playing on Thursday night, seems like a miracle to me because a lot of people saw Marlin's injury and you'd think, all right, he's expected to miss a significant amount of time. It's a non-contact. It looks bad at first glance, but Hearing it's a calf strain, according to reports, that's big for Marlon. It's not an Achilles. It's not a broken ankle. It's not something significant where it doesn't sound like he's going to have to have surgery. A calf strain seems like, all right, it's an easy fix. But get your treatment. Be ready for Thursday. If not, be ready for the next game. So I think that definitely is the best-case scenario. And if Ronnie Stanley can't play, there are guys that are ready to go on the offensive line that you can plug and play Um, you look at you look at the Faleleys, you look at the Patrick McCarries, you look at guys that are ready to step up and fill that void. So I don't think this is the worst case scenario for the Ravens. Now, if they're missing two to three games, four to five games, okay, then it's a little bit of an issue. But maybe one, maybe, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good situation for them going forward.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they were held out through the bye, but you're right, even the chance that John Harbaugh said they have to play on Thursday definitely was not the tune of a lot of people on social media when you saw that injury, especially to Marlin, where he grabs the back of his lower leg and you're mm-hmm. thinking, oh, here, here we go again. But usually Achilles injuries get ruled pretty quickly and we didn't really get an update until John Harbaugh spoke to the media on Monday. So, Rocco, I feel like with this team there's a lot to like, but there are the inconsistencies, and I think that for a lot of people – that's where they are hesitant to maybe say, oh, the Ravens are the top Super Bowl contender in the league. We've seen the highs. We saw the Detroit game. We saw the Seattle game. And look, the offense still put up 30. Well, I guess Kyle Hamilton contributed a little bit. But still, it just felt like the Ravens weren't in this one in the second half. It felt like maybe they got comfortable in, in this league, especially when you get to January, February football. You cannot get comfortable. You have to go out there, and especially with these fourth quarter blown leads, some of the inconsistencies late, even against Arizona, they won that game, but the Cardinals kind of creeped back in. Do you still view this team as one of the top Super Bowl contenders, or do they still need to prove something to you that says they can do this consistently and not get into these dogfights late when they don't
1: need to be? I still do. And here's why, Kevin it's a long season, and you talked about the self inflicted wounds. There have been three of them, and the Ravens, the fan base looks at the schedule they could easily be 10 and 0 right now and they should be 10 and 0. These are three games that they had in the bag or so it seemed and they should have won. And you look the, the trend last season and it was a very negative trend that the fans just absolutely hated was the blown second half leads. And that's what that's what happened in this Browns game. It was like, okay, you're up you're up 14 points. You have a 97% probability to win per ESPN. I was looking at that, you know, that that trend the tracker that goes up and down, it was at 97% after Gus Edwards scored that touchdown. So the Ravens, they were in great position. And then they allow Cleveland to march down the field. Big drive there. The the Deshaun Watson touchdown to Elijah Moore. Then Lamar, errant throw gets tipped. I mean, just bad luck there. Gets tipped and uh, brought in for six. So that was the play. And and the Browns, they nearly gift-wrapped the Ravens the game, missing that extra point. But again, the Ravens could not finish, and that's something they talked about earlier in the season. You don't want to see these trends go back to last season, go back to earlier in this season, where this team cannot finish, where this team cannot drive that final nail through a team's coffin, especially a divisional opponent. That's what you want with Baltimore. That's what this team knows they're capable of doing, but they have to go out there and prove it each week, and they did not in this game against the Browns. Yeah, and Sean Harbaugh
0: said on Monday, if we finish strong in every game, we'd be undefeated. And, I mean, he's right. You, you said it, and I, I totally do believe that. But with that, I think, Rocco, for some fans, the execution has been an issue in some aspects. But I think a lot of fans have – I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. The the hate for John Harbaugh is strong for some of these fans. And I think that, look, he's an accomplished coach, but the reality of the Ravens' situation is they have not been back to an AC Championship game since they won the Super Bowl back in 2012, 2013. The playoff success – they've been a great regular season team for the most part, Mm -hmm. but over the course of the Lamar Jackson era – I think people might have been wanting more, especially in that 2019 season. So, how much of this inconsistency do you maybe pin on the execution of the players? And how much do you maybe pin on the coaching staff, whether it's play calling or just getting their guys ready?
1: I think you could go 50 50. I think you could go 60 40. I'm not going to solely blame one side or the other because. It's so the coach's jobs to put their players in the best positions possible, and we saw defensively, Mike McDonald has done that time and time again. You look last week against against the Seahawks. You look two weeks before that against the Lions. Harbaugh, I I think there is there are some questionable decisions that he's made, especially in that game with especially with Keaton Mitchell. You you would have liked to seen him in the second half more. You would have liked to seen him get some more touches, especially with how hot the guy was to start the game and carrying that into the next week, but he said, like, his thing was in the press conference, we don't want to throw a young guy into the fire that early. It's it's kind of – he kind of pinned that on him being young, him not being as experienced, him being a rookie and undrafted. I don't blame him. The guys played three games. But at, at some point, fans are allowed to get frustrated with their head coach. And I, I sense some frustration, but I don't think that I'm not off of the John Harbaugh is – a great head coach train, and I won't be. I think he's a fantastic head coach. I think he's got this team going in the right direction. You look at where they were last year, everything that happened, and they made the moves necessary in the offseason. Now, a lot of that was Eric DaCosta getting the guys in place, but John Harbaugh, I think, has done a great job coaching this past game aside. Um, and, and there were there were some flashes of him being a great coach. So I'm not, I'm definitely not off John Harbaugh being a good coach. I think this guy is the guy that's gonna get the Ravens back to the promised land at some point in time. I don't know if it's this season. You would hope it is. I don't know if it's next season, but I think the future is bright here for Ravens flock. I don't think that you, you should jump off the John Harbaugh train just yet.
0: Yeah. For me, I think that yeah, I've been pretty consistent with this where the Ravens are not going to fire John Harbaugh right now. Like they They're, not,
1: oh, they're okay. not, they're not,
0: they're not going to do it this season. <laughs> I think the way they, I mean, it just makes no sense whatsoever. The conversation you can have, and you can make an argument for is what happens if they lose in the wild card round again, or what happens if they lose in the divisional round again. Yep. And that is the complacency of Well, again, no AFC Championship since they won the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson hasn't made a pass at a divisional round. Where do you make the change? Because they got rid of Don Martindale two years ago and Greg Roman last offseason. So that's kind of where you have to look with this team in terms of they have a head coach. And they're still second in the AFC. They're not gonna get rid of that guy right now. But coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be talking about some general Ravens and Browns takeaways and just what went wrong. So be sure to stay tuned, plan to talk about it on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical, and we spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on Ravens wins and losses, who starts, who sits. I'm thankful for the connection that we have and today i want our chat to be just a little more personal now with jace medical you can get a one-year supply on ed medications you realize what that means you can bring on extended travel bring on the next natural disaster a supply chain issue you're covered my friend you don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generis for cialis viagra riviado prescriptions and that's possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. You can go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12 month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. And a verified customer had this to say about Jace I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills and have to have it. I order most of my daily meds with a year of supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit, and I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. So, if you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a supply of any daily med, go to JaceMedical.com to see if this offer for you. Remember to use promo code Lockdown for twenty dollars off your purchase. We're back. Our second segment, Lockdown Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with Rocco DeSangro And Rocco again, thirty-three, thirty-one. Ravens fall to the Browns. Last-second field goal, but you could honestly feel the momentum shifting throughout the second half. And honestly. My complete honest opinion is that I thought momentum had shifted back in Baltimore's favor. James Perche, who is a Ravens legend now in multiple different ways after what happened on Sunday, fumbles a punt deep in in Browns' territory. And Baltimore, again, it was a very ugly possession trying to get that ball in, multiple penalties on the Browns, keeping that Ravens. It was probably one of the uglier (laughs) red zone possessions I've seen, but points are points. But you could just see that the Browns escape tackles from Deshaun Watson, David Njoku trucking through guys, Jerome Ford trucking through guys, the offensive line getting beat, the Browns defensive line coming through. And this was a team, Rocco, that one was playing their fourth and fifth string tackles. And it felt like with that fact in mind, the Ravens didn't get as much pressure as I would have hoped. We can talk about Lamar's game as well, where he definitely missed the deep ball to Zay Flowers and grossly underthrew Rashad Bateman on another ball. Where do you think, the, the biggest blame lies for you in terms of why the Ravens blew this one and what factors are the biggest.
1: I'm going to put it, Kevin on both offense and defense, because you, you can pinpoint some weeks and I know that might be the easy way out. I know that might not be the answer you're looking for there, but I'm going to put it on both sides of the ball because defensively, they let this game slip away late. And that's so uncharacteristic of the defense, especially with the game they had against the Seahawks. Now I don't expect Baltimore's defense to allow three points every single week. That's just unheard of, but they came into this game allowing 13.6, and it led the NFL. So to give up, they gave up, what is, what is 33, 26, because I'm not going to put that last seven, the pick six, that Lamar gave up on the defense. But So we'll, we'll say they gave up 26 points. Or, yeah, right, if my math's wrong, I'm terrible at math. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> but that that's just uncharacteristic in a divisional game, especially against a team they blew out earlier in the season. Now, I know they're going against – Dorian Thompson Robinson and not Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson was a huge difference maker in this game. The goal for the defense, it sounded like was to keep him as contained as possible to keep him at the front door. And they let him out the front door. It was like, that was the goal. And you saw so many times, especially on the last drive, the 16 yard scramble for the first down, eluding tacklers. They had the chance. Odafe always stripped them. Browns ended up falling on it. That's some bad luck, but defensively uncharacteristic offensively, Lamar has to be better. Now, I'm not one of the guys that is going to just absolutely say it's Lamar's fault every single game and play the blame game on Lamar because you turn on any TV channel, any national media channel, and it's Lamar Jackson this, Lamar Jackson that. Is Lamar Jackson the guy that's going to take the Ravens to the Super Bowl? I truly think Lamar Jackson can be the guy that takes the Ravens to the Super Bowl, but he does have to be better. And I think he knows that the Rashad Bateman pick. He's, he owned it. You know, after, after that interception, he said he was pointing to himself after the game. He's like, that's on me. I underthrew him. It is what it is. The pick against, um, when it, when it got returned for the touchdown, Greg Newsom, the second, when he ended up returning that one, that was tough too. That was a bad throw on Lamar's part. Yeah. It got tipped, but like you gotta be better at getting the ball around those passing lanes. If there's even a chance for it to get tipped, throw it somewhere else. But Like I said, I don't think this game is solely on Lamar. I don't think this is solely on the defense. I think it's a collective effort for Lamar, the defense, some offensive struggles as well. Everybody's got to be better, and they know that. That was the mood after the game. And the Ravens kind
0: of got ravened in this game, to be honest, (laughs) at least the Ravens of old, because the Browns were in 25 more plays the Ravens did. They had that 17 play monster drive that took just over 10 minutes. I think they had another 12 or 13 play drive in there too. Time possession wise, the Browns held the ball for about nine minutes more. And I don't put too, too much stock in a time possession because if you're efficient, you score touchdowns of four minutes. It doesn't really matter what the time possession looks like, but part of it is those quick hitting drives. You had two long touchdowns, Keaton Mitchell with the first and Odell with the second, but the Keaton Mitchell point is, is, we've kind of mentioned a little bit prior is a big one because he averages 16.5 yards per touch, but doesn't get a touch past the two-minute mark in the third quarter. That was his only touch in the second half after having his big what was, I think, a 32-yard catch on a screen. Then before that, obviously it was the 39-yard touchdown. John Harbaugh talked about it a little bit, said in hindsight. You know, probably shouldn't have gone that way, but it's those types of things where he's talked about with the Colts game, for example, in hindsight, calling a timeout to have Zay recognize what to do on the onside punt or whatever that was, the safety punt. In hindsight, it has been a lot of that with John Harbaugh. I mean, where do you think this team just kind of forgot about Keaton Mitchell? Because honestly, they talked him up all week saying, we're going to give him a bigger role. He's earned it, but they didn't act like it.
1: I couldn't even tell you, man. Honestly, I don't know why that he didn't get more touches in the second half. He should have. Keaton Mitchell, when you watch him, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to watch football to see how good Keaton Mitchell is as an undrafted rookie. I can't believe that every single team in the NFL passed up on this guy because he is that talented, that quick, and that good. And the Ravens got a gem, another undrafted rookie they bring in, and he just turns out to be a stud. But you got to feed him the ball going forward. It, it's got to be, I think, Gus Edwards one, Keaton Mitchell two. That, that needs to be the carries as far as that goes. And then you mix Justice Hill in there a little bit. But Keaton's got to be in there and involved, I'd say, getting a significant amount of touches a game. If he doesn't, there's a problem. Because the Ravens, their run offense is spectacular. They've done such a good job just running the ball down teams' throats. And with that one-two punch now, you know, you thought it was going to be J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. J.K. gets hurt, unfortunately. Make it Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell. There's no reason why it shouldn't be going forward.
0: And I guess my my only explanation for it, if I had to give, I still don't have one, but if I had to, it was because Baltimore maybe felt that they needed a bruising back against that Cleveland big defensive line, and they needed to gain yards. But it wasn't like Gus Edwards was having the game of his life. I mean, he had 11 carries for 24 yards for 2.2 Keaton Mitchell was having the game of his life earlier, and he that cut he had. It's just he he has that electricity to him, mm-hmm. the lightning McQueen speed, I guess I'll call it. <laughs> so he he's that he's that electric playmaker, and it gives you a perfect compliment. I think they should be using the three. Honestly, yep. Gus Edwards is a bruiser type. Keaton Mitchell is the speed guy, and Justice Hill is kind of the in between. They they have mm-hmm. that at their disposal. I'm not saying split the carries completely even. I think Gus probably just gets more carries by proxy but it shouldn't be an 11 to three split it should be maybe a eight to six or nine to five or something like, I think that's where you can utilize those guys for sure. But then you have on the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned Marlon going down. We talked about that earlier, but it felt like after he went out, as I kind of alluded to the secondary kind of fell apart a little bit Amari Cooper started to find some holes in the defense, David and Joku had a monster game if Marlon has to miss some time, I wouldn't look I, He has a chance to play on Thursday. I wouldn't expect him to play on Thursday based off of what you saw in this Browns game is the secondary a bit of a concern point. Cause they stepped up without Marlon when he was there, but we have to remember also Marcus Williams right now. I don't really know the deal with him. He's still making one arm tackles. I think I saw it two or three times. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what your plan is there. If you're the Ravens, cause he's a good football player, but. He's not 100%. It's not like they have no one. know Stone is playing at a Pro Bowl level right now and has had all these interceptions. So what's your take on the secondary, especially with Marlon and potentially Marcus Williams being out or injured?
1: I think that the secondary has done well up to this point in the season with both of those guys kind of not questionable each week, but their status is you don't know what you're going to get out of them because of the injuries. Because with Marlon missing the first couple of games of the season, with Marcus dealing with the pec, he is really playing with one arm out there, it looks like. I mean, everyone can see it. And then Marlon's got the hammy, and now he's got the calf. It's like it, it sucks when your best players struggle to find health because it's not their fault, and it's not, I'm not going out and saying, oh, they're injury-prone, but it's it's not great. But do I think the Ravens' secondary will be okay going forward? I, I really don't know, Kevin. I think guys have stepped up. The defensive line is definitely confident, and so is a linebacking core, and this team's too deep at every single position. So I am. I am. You know what? I'm just going if, to – if it happens, if it, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, come back to me, pull this clip, and you can roast me with freezing cold takes. But I think the secondary is going to be fine regardless. I don't think Marlon's going to have to miss an extended period of time. Even if he is, this team has done such a good job of plugging and playing and finding the right guys to step up. Look at the season Brandon Stevens is having. He, he's done a really spectacular job this year um, of, of just – you didn't expect that really from Brandon Stevens. He might have, but I don't know if his fan base did, and he's he's done pretty solid up to this point in the year. Kyle Hamilton with that pick off the – you know, pick six off the first, first drive of the game, he's making big plays. So I think Mike McDonald, if need be, if Marlon Humphrey can't play, and if Marcus Williams, if something happens, if there is a setback going forward – He's going to find a way to move guys around and make this defense the best best look it is possible. And you
0: you talk about Brandon Stevens. I mean, I think what makes it even more impressive to me is we heard all offseason, Rocco, that he was moving back to safety and he was going to play some safety. And then they had so many injuries at corner, they had to move him to corner. And I don't think he's moving again because he, he, he has played that good for them. He he started again. Come can't come into the NFL as a corner. They move him to safety his rookie year. Then they bring him back to corner in his second season. Then they move him back to safety in his third year. But then obviously this being his third year, they move him back to corner because they have to. He's been moved all around. Not to mention he played running back for his first two years in college. So he's been everywhere. And I I give him a lot of credit. So hopefully Marlon doesn't have to miss too much time because obviously Marlon is still Marlon, big part of what they do yeah. and their number one guy. But coming up in the final part of the show, we'll try to fix the Ravens a little bit. Talk about where the inconsistencies need to get a little bit better. And also get into some AFC North talk, continuing that conversation. So be sure to stay tuned, playing to get to Unlocked on Locked On Ravens. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Again, it's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is awesome. It's super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that includes spreads, player profs, unders and more. So if you pick Keith Mitchell, being an anytime touchdown scorer, that was a big winner over at FanDuel for the Ravens. Now I know that... For Baltimore, Lamar Jackson didn't have the best day, but there are going to be a lot of great bets over on Fanduel for the Ravens' big Week 11 matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Visit Fanduel.com/lockedon and kick off the NFL season. Fanduel official partner of the NFL. We are back, rounding out Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still talking with Rocco Desangro, and Rocco, let's start with AFC North because Mm -hmm. right now the Ravens are still on top. Their divisional record falls to two and two, unfortunately, but. For the Ravens, the Bengals lose to the Texans. That was a pretty big break for them, considering I think this sets up for a huge Week 11 matchup on Thursday night that could define a couple of things. But with Baltimore being 7-3, and three, and then you have Cleveland and Pittsburgh tied at 6-3, and three, and then Cincinnati at 5-4, and four, if they win this game against the Bengals, I think they're in pretty good shape because it moves their division record to 3-2, and two, gives them another conference win as well. With Pittsburgh, I just don't trust their offense right now, even though they, they find ways to win, and I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. But Mike Tomlin has that team winning games, even though Matt Cannon and Kenny Pickett, there's a bunch of times, although the running game looks better, so at least there's a <laughs> there's some positive. Cleveland, can Deshaun Watson be consistent? I mean, that, that's really what you got to look at there. And then Cincinnati, they have some injuries they're dealing with. I think they're maybe the biggest – Threat to the Ravens, but they started so slow. I don't know if they can play catch up, especially if they lose to this game, and lose a tiebreaker to the Ravens. So what, what's your feeling right now in the AFC North? And do you still think it's
1: Baltimore's to win? Or do you think there's a lot more competition? I absolutely think it's Baltimore's to win. And I think that there's going to be teams chasing them. There's going to be teams just, you know, on their tail like there is right now. And it's it's the best division right now in, in football. And there's no question about it. You may look at the teams from, the, from an outside standpoint like people that don't necessarily watch, watch this division week in and week out and might be like, all right, yeah, records, but like these teams stink. It's like, no, no, like they're, they're all very good football teams. And when they play each other, you see the physicality and you see what they put on the field. So I, I would tell you to watch ASC North football if you think that way. I know you don't, Kevin, but for people out there that don't, like you, you got to watch a game. I mean, look at the look at the Browns Ravens game last week. But I do, I really truly think this is Baltimore's division to lose. They are in the driver's seat right now. They're in a really good position, and all will be fixed within this fan base for this team if they go out there and beat the Bengals. Now, easier said than done. The Bengals are going to come in. They're not trying to get swept by the Ravens. There, there's no chance they want to or at their and Joe Burrow he's healthy now I know they're coming off a tough loss as well but they both have a quick turnaround going into Thursday night and they're both kind of struggling with injuries right now so it should be a battle on Thursday I'm really looking forward to it and I think the Ravens are going to come out swinging much like they did with the Browns but they need to keep their foot on the gas you talk about fixing the Ravens how does this work out like you need to finish games and that's going to be key coming up against Cincinnati
0: and do you think Cincinnati is their biggest threat honestly I I mean if they win this game i again i think the division record and the tiebreaker and everything is just going to be that would drop cincinnati's division record to an all-time low of zero and three their conference record to one and five i think that's just especially with a tiebreaker too many things to overcome unless baltimore has a historic collapse and cincinnati wins almost every game but you have pittsburgh in there you have cleveland who who do you think is baltimore's biggest threat
1: i think it's cincinnati by far i really do i think they're the Kings of the North until they're not the Kings of the North anymore. And I always, you know, I kind of do that with defending Super Bowl champs or, you know, teams that make the playoffs every single year until they don't. It's just like, I you give me no reason not to say they're not the biggest threat to the Ravens right now. You look at Cincinnati, if they do get healthy, that's going to be a key Jamar chase T Higgins, what that looks like the receiving core and how those guys are health wise going forward. But Joe Burrow, healthy, He doesn't terrify me, but he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You can say what you want about the guy. The hatred is real for Baltimore and Cincinnati, but he is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he can hurt you with his arm. He can hurt you with his legs as well when he's healthy. So I do think the Cincinnati team, the way they're playing, I know they dropped that game against Houston, but there's still a lot of season to go, Kevin. So they are by far the biggest threat to the Ravens, in my opinion, right now.
0: And do you think that game is a must-win, Week 11? I think if not a must-win, it is as close to it as it can come.
1: Oh, I, I, yes, yes. I think this for the Ravens, this is a must win. I don't think their season's over if they don't win the game, but I think you're going to be thinking a lot differently about this team going forward. If they drop back-to-back games, middle of the season, 11 weeks in against AFC North divisional foes at home, at home, where they've been pretty solid this season. You look at, you look at the loss to the Colts and you just kind of throw that out the window because stunk. That's, that's one that stings, but I, I do think this is a must win, man. I really think they need this game right now. And going forward, this is going to, it's going to be huge for the Ravens if they do win this game. And if they lose, it's going to be huge in that aspect, that aspect as well. So must win for me, for sure. We're having some some
0: serious conversations right now. I don't even, I don't even want to imagine what the conversations would be if, if Baltimore loses that one. They'd be a lot. But let, let's fix them from a general perspective, Rocco, mm-hmm. as we wrap up the show here. I think for me, If I had to give just a couple of points, I think the deep passing game has been a disaster so far for the most part. Now they've hit on some deep shots. I'm not saying it hasn't worked at all, but I don't think Todd Monken is calling it enough. And I don't think Lamar Jackson is hitting on them enough because we saw it last week, Rashad Bateman. Two long touchdowns, Lamar can't hit him. Zay Flowers this past week, Lamar can't hit him. This is dated back to last season. The deep ball accuracy has been inconsistent. He has a strong arm, and he he has that touch on the deep ball. It just has not been there for the past year and some change now. I'd also say some of the play calling from Todd Munkin has been a bit suspect. I think he hasn't been able to get into a full groove for the most part in games that either he has the lead in and it's, it's kind of tight. Like those games against Seattle and and Detroit, obviously it's, it's a little easier to call those because you're just trying to get out of there. But for me, I think that's part of it. And then defensively, I mean, there really are no complaints outside of last week. I mean, they played lights out up to that point. I just think that maybe they just lost momentum in the second half and Cleveland picked up so much and it just felt like they wanted it more. But to me it's offensive consistency. And part of that's the passing game, at least in my opinion
1: no i would agree with you there defensively they need to do a better job of tackle well last week they need to do a better job of tackling against the browns because they had deshaun watson in their grasp and they just couldn't wrap him up and there were so many missed tackles Roquan smith i saw his stat i I almost fell out of my chair when i saw 21 combined tackles i was like oh oh my goodness like dude had 21 of them but i I would agree with you man you got to hit those deep those deep you know deep balls explosive plays and Those are the plays that not only gets your crowd into it, gets the offense into it, builds more confidence, and you're going to see a different offense going forward in that drive if they connect on some of those. What I didn't like, Kevin, in this game, uh, two receptions for Mark Andrews. That's, That's like two catches for the guy. So you need to get him more involved going forward. He has been this season, but against the Browns, Mark Andrews was almost irrelevant. So you got to get him the ball more as well. And then sprinkle in some Keaton Mitchell going forward. We're we're making our Ravens team a little bit better. So Keaton Mitchell, Mark Andrews, deep passes. I like that a lot. I think that's a recipe for success. I I did not know Roquan Smith had 21 tackles. That is. (laughs) I'm, I'm telling you, when I saw that stat, I looked and I had to look it up. I was like, combined tackles wise. I was like, first of all, that's, that's a Ravens franchise record for combined tackles. And then you look at, I believe it was. 14 or 16 uh solo tackles you have to correct me if i'm wrong that's how many of them most on all time it, it sucks it happened in a loss but that was i mean look look at the numbers man and then look at everybody else it's like incredible yeah for, for
0: for what rocco's talking about 21 total for roquan and then you have nine for patrick queen as the second leading tackler which is just 10 10 plus tackle differences unreal but yeah I, I agree i think defensively they have had some issues wrapping up especially sacks and that's been a year long it's been a multiple year long thing something we've been talking about for a while here so i think baltimore they they have the pieces they've shown that they are a contender but if they are inconsistent when you hit january and when you maybe hit february that's not going to fly. You have to be able to play a full 60 minutes. So rough loss to Cleveland, big game against Cincinnati coming up. Rocco, I appreciate you for hopping on with me, talking Ravens. Please tell people where they can find you and everything you're working on.
1: My man, they can find me at Rocco DeSangro on Twitter, at our Desangro on Instagram. Uh, Ryan Ripkin and I have the Rip and Rock podcast. We're talking Orioles in the offseason, and then we get on a show, the Ryan Ripkin show. We're recording on uh, Mondays. we got – We got Brad over here. We got Zach over here. Where's Parker? I'm in their studio right now. So all these guys are phenomenal people. Uh, You know, like and subscribe that channel because we we really enjoy it. We got a lot of good interviews coming your way. That link to that will
0: be in the description below for sure. So be sure to check it out over there. Check out Rocco on social media. Rocco, again, I appreciate your time, man. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe in audio forum. Subscribe in video forum as well. Come up tomorrow. More Ravens content as we flip the switch, talk about Cincinnati a little bit. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.